Startups Podcast. You just need the packaging to shout off the shelf. It's a different world when you actually think about adding value. But to be able to play now is definitely going to require some new thinking out there. Hang out with us and learn how to grow your food business. Hello, and welcome to episode number 106 of the Food Startups Podcast. Today's episode is about the future. Sam is going to talk to us about his company, the quantified self movement, you know, the the power of, of data. And don't be overwhelmed by this type of stuff, you know, artificial intelligence. Heck, I, you know, I have trouble explaining as well, and I've been reading books on it. But the idea is to understand where we're going in the future so you can better make decisions today that help put you in a position to to succeed and, and thrive because the rate of change with all these new things in technology is only going to increase. So we're constantly need to be adapting to these types of things. And um, yeah, tons of advice here and just a really, really cool story. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Sage Project, a new type of food data platform with a simple mission. Make food data smart, simple, and personalized. And I'll just interject right here. So it's basically think of in the future, the near future, hopefully, having an app where you can go to a grocery store and based on your dietary needs or maybe you have certain conditions like diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to analyze the foods, tell you where they come from and make recommendations or at least tell you that uh, because of your you know, vitamin A or whatever needs, you should have these types of foods. And so he's really trying to go beyond the nutrition label, which is lacking in a lot of ways. Anyway, he previously co-founded Learn It Live, an online learning website that connects people to health and wellness experts in live video sessions. Sam was also a founding partner of First Round Capital's Dorm Room Fund, where he invested in NYC student-run companies. He previously worked on social entrepreneur initiatives with communities in Honduras, India, and Bolivia. His design work has been featured in the New York Times, TechCrunch, Fast Company, Forbes, Business Insider, Inc., Mashable, Popular Science, PSFK, and BBC. He's a graduate of NYU's Interactive Telecommunications Program, ITP, just to keep the acronyms going, uh, where he is an adjunct professor and was formerly in residence. At ITP, he teaches a course called Designing for Data Personalization, where students learn to self-track and visualize personal data. Sam Slover, how's it going? Doing very well. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, and Sam, as we were talking before the interview, I um, I want to start with the idea of the, the quantified life. Um, can you tell us just personally, what do you keep track of in your life? Whether obviously uh, the Sage Project and, and food data, but do you track other things in your life? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, and it kind of points to a lot of my research work, which is around there's so much data that's out there. Like we interact with so many data systems right now in our day to day. But like, what data uh, matters to you as a person, and how can you best like visualize that and make better decisions on it? Um, so there's a few things that I really care about. So like um, activity, that's kind of a basic one. Um, nutrition, of course, working with Sage Project. But I'm also really interested in the global systems that I buy into as a consumer. So this would go beyond even just like the nutrition of the food that I buy. I'm, I'm curious to know 
where the food's coming from, what ingredients am I getting out of these foods, and which ingredients do I tend to get a lot of, what's the supply chain look like of companies that I'm purchasing from. Like I'm always telling people, I think one of the interesting things about being like a modern consumer is one of the most impactful ways that you impact the world is through what you choose to buy. Um, so I like to track like the things that I'm purchasing and try to figure out what impact am I having through my purchases. I love that. And and Sam, it's interesting just to to add to that. So, you know, I work in the food industry and with golden berries and superfoods from from Colombia and Peru. Once you get inside the industry and then you see it on the supermarket shelves and you say product of, you know, what company and then and you can sometimes tell just being in the industry, you know, where it comes from. And there's a lot of stuff that consumers will never see. Um, you know, some interesting stuff just about the way that is this like, you know, are they posing as like, you know, a small working directly with the farmers, but a, a big company? Um, you know, is it a, um, a really interesting co-op? These are things that you can't really find a lot of times on the label or even sometimes ingredient sourcers that, you know, people in the U.S. that have to come in to source ingredients from other countries. They don't even know the full story because they might source yeah. things from Peru, but they travel there once every year or two years. Exactly. It's interesting because more and more, I think what the brands and the producers of products are seeing is that consumers are more mindful about how products are designed and brought together. And it's almost, you know, as a designer, I, I can see it in food products as well as like you make either conscious or unconscious decisions about how you put a product together, right? It's a collection of ingredients. It's a collection of suppliers. Up till now, I would say the story of that product and the the collective collection that comes together is pretty hidden from the end consumer. Um, but we're, what we're seeing now is actually a push to be more mindful about how you design a product. So ultimately you can, you know, give both the product and that product's data and its story. Yeah. And, and so transparency is, is the name of the game right now. Right. And, and everyone's striving for transparency. Uh, I, I know we are. And, uh, I think people really appreciate that, just learning the, the story. And one thing I realized is a lot of things when you're in the industry, um, whatever you're doing in food, that may seem like a mundane task to you. People like knowing that, you know, this food had to get on this truck and then it had to get cleared by customs and had to take a boat. You know, all the, all the quality control stuff that goes into it, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, I just listened to this book uh, a couple weeks ago called Inevitable by Kevin Kelly. He's the founder of Wired. And he's like, one, I won't say one of the founders of the internet, but he's like, he's definitely one of the foremost journalists and he's very into the, the quantified self movement. And he talks about just the value you can get. So he's, you know, shortly in the future, think of a machine that can, let's say you have vitamin deficiencies. So what it can do, it will be internet of things, meaning, you know, there'll be some type of uh, I guess, edible tracking device on there where it, you'll take a vitamin and it will be based on your nutrient deficiencies. And then um, as you take it, it will analyze your body and the way it's reacted to that vitamin. So the next day you get a vitamin that's personalized to, you know, to the new data that they have. And the reason I mentioned this is, is Sam, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like you're someone that really cares about the future. And I think you also just enjoy, you know, thinking about where are we going? If you design based on you know, the status quo, or we'll say like fighting the last war, uh, just as a, as a phrase there, you know, based on what's gone down in history, you have to think about the future. And I think, Sam, I would say the stage project is based on that. Exactly right. Um, and I, I love Kevin Kelly and his work as well. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things is, is 
increasingly we're getting to a point where um, a product's not just a product. Like um, there's uh, to go kind of to another futurist. There's this guy named Bruce Sterling who who writes a book called Shaping Things, and it's kind of what are future objects. So in the future, an object is both the object, but then all that data around the object. And so not just you know, not just the physical entity, but the feed of where that product's coming from, how it was formulated, how it got to you, you know, what it gave you, like what, what types of vitamin, if it's food, like what types of vitamins and minerals it gave to you. And then what's cool about these types of objects and what we think is the, you know, the future is the ability for this to then uh, help you make better decisions. So the kind of, okay, if you're, if you've been consuming this, next time you go to consume something, What's going to be just like the right thing for you? So, for example, even in our system already, we'd have the ability to say, hey, like you're interested in a snack and you're looking for chips, but this chip isn't quite right because you've been having things with like a lot of sodium. Here's a chip that's very similar that has less sodium and actually more vitamins. So the ability to like learn about who that person is, what they're looking for in food, and then give them really smart personalized choices and then also personalized feedback loops um, that helps them see like okay here's kind of what your data looks like now but if you made these choices here's what your data could look like um, and make the consumer make that person like an active agent in their own nutrition in ways they haven't really been able to do before um, but it's interesting because we totally think that the expectation that objects that you know objects food that you consume has that level of data around it that enables you to make those decisions so is a key part of okay in terms of data analysis are you guys using any type of ai to help uh i guess uh you want the sage project and the sage app to get smarter as time goes on yeah totally so um, we are using uh quite a bit of data science and machine learning and it's really interesting because what you can say is you can start seeing okay people with these preferences. Let's say like you're a diabetic who's training for a race. Um, you can start seeing what people with that exact profile, what are the data points that they're looking for in food? What are the foods that are consistently helping them get those data points? And then the system gets smarter based on it. So you start getting these like, um, if, you, if you imagine you have millions of possibilities, you start getting these nice, well-worn tracks sketched out of what works. Uh, for different types of people. So it's the idea that there's never going to be like one canonical way that people should eat. But what you can do is help people say like, if you have these restrictions or these goals, here are well-worn tracks to products that we know have worked well because we've, we've, we have enough data and we have enough analysis to do it across a system. And is this machine learning uh, that you mentioned, is this something that you're developing? Or are you utilizing kind of third-party apps and and uh i'll say software or devices to to help you uh do this no it's 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 all in-house um with our team here and it's really cool to start seeing because we're starting like we're coming from that use case of trying to sketch out what different personas and different diet types like what uh products and data tends to work really well for those you know specific types of people and what's cool is we're, we're starting to see some really really a nice like worn pathways to products can you give me an example of that yes yeah, so if you think of a grocery store with this in, you know huge aisle of 60 60 yogurts um, and there's so many different yogurts you could choose from but what's interesting is like each of those yogurts has a slightly different profile maybe a couple of them have like not a lot of added sugar or, or very low sugar 
but have a lot of calcium and vitamin D. What we can see is those yogurts are consistently being chosen by people with a certain dietary condition condition or goal. Let's say it's diabetics. Then what we can do is once we collect enough data on the products and then people who are kind of being filtered towards those products because they're actively saying this works well for my diet, for future people who come into the platform, they don't necessarily need to do the work of like that filtering, right? Like of saying, I need this thing that has this, this, and this. We actually already know because that pathway has been uh, kind of sketched out by people before them. So it makes it just much easier because it's it's the ability to give these passive recommendations based on data points that um, we've already seen have worked well on our platform. I really like that because, okay, let's uh, let's try to take the general population, uh, meaning that not everyone's so focused on nutrition and, and sourcing and transparency, et cetera, et cetera. But okay, someone's overweight or they're not healthy and they say, listen, uh, I need to get healthy. So what's the first thing most people say? All right, I'm gonna eat a salad, right? But what do you put into that salad? Because I'd say the typical salad, you've traveled around, uh, Sam, but I would say, um, feel free to disagree here, like typical salad is lettuce, tomato, and onions. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying those are those are perfectly good vegetables, or I guess tomatoes are fruit, but you have to be aware of a lot of things, you know, where are those tomatoes and onions and lettuce coming from? But for most people, I think we could probably agree that those are not the most nutrient-dense veggies, um, and you want something else. But how do you know what to choose? And you base these decisions on maybe you heard from someone that kale is good or that spinach is good. But it, it's really the the references you have are not very rational for most people when they when they go grocery shopping. Yeah, totally. Uh, so that's something we're always interested in is helping to like deconstruct. Like if you think of a salad, it has all these components. I'm helping people deconstruct and understanding what they're getting from each component. Also, maybe even do it in like a fun way where uh, it's a little bit more interesting than most people's interaction with nutrition data in the past. Because it, you know, it turns out that so you have this, this salad, right? And a lot of times it actually can be kind of unhealthy, right? Because you don't realize that that dressing and that cheese and those, you know, maybe croutons that got put on there are actually giving you a bunch of data that you didn't really know you were going to, you were getting with this collective salad. Right. And the dressing, especially because I see that with dressing where it's okay. A lot of times and listeners, I would say not always. So, but just be aware of sometimes people will say they'll use buzzwords like gluten-free or things like that in products that typically don't have gluten anyway as a way to make it appear healthy. But then it's okay. You have this gluten-free dressing and it has, you know, 10 grams of sugar, which is going to block the absorption of the the nutrients you're getting in the rest of the salad. So it can be really uh, kind of productive in that sense. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, oh gosh, this is like an area that's just fascinating is how food marketing works and the ability to, you know, put, uh, let's say gluten-free or made in small batches on something that's inherently unhealthy uh, just because it helps sell, which like, of course, it, you know, we get it. It, it, it makes sense. But we always find it interesting, like our team was in a grocery store yesterday doing some research, and we've, we came across, I won't say which brand, but man, they really, when you look at the products, you're like, wow, this, this looks so healthy, like the way that it's marketed and branded. And then we flipped it over, and it was a soup, a line of soups, and each soup had 48 grams of sugar, which is about four Coca-Colas. And we're like, that actually, this is so disingenuous that like maybe it shouldn't be allowed. 
but again, this is like really hard for a lot of people to kind of uh, put together. Like it's hard to get access to that data and then like um, have these things pop out at you. Um, you're more looking like, oh, no, this actually looks like a healthy suit. I love that, too, because and just like you mentioned, and people don't have the time too. people are busy and they go grocery shopping. They don't have time to like go online and look every everything up about it. Right. And look at the nutrition facts of every single product they buy. Yeah, totally. Um, and so I think that's like it's a mindfulness thing. Like if you can at least see one at some point you see, OK, like soups often have, you know, all these spoonfuls of sugar, essentially. It's just maybe like a switch that goes off in your head. It's like, OK, maybe I'll like be more mindful about checking this one data point out. Now, Sam, you know, along the lines of, of your vision and, and all the data you're gathering, what um, one is how do you plan to monetize the company? And and two, I mean, what uh, what do you see as the biggest, I'd say, uh, challenges or things or, or key kind of data points that you need to get to to make the Sage project successful and get that critical mass that any type of startup like this needs? Yeah, yeah, totally. So kind of on the first one, how are we, you know, being a business, how are we being sustainable? Um, it turns out that like this, this started as a design project. Uh, many years ago with myself and a colleague as designers, just really passionate about redesigning how people interacted with nutrition data. But what we've seen over the last few years is this idea of two things, really personalized nutrition, as well as more transparent disclosure about your products is something that's becoming a huge part of the food industry. So the first one, like personalized nutrition, more and more retailers and brands don't want to give the same information or the exact same pathways pathway through products to every person, right? Like they want to be able to say, okay, we understand if you're a uh, vegan, you're going to be looking for different products and different data points than if you're paleo. And so the ability to give those, their consumers, those experiences relies on having really good data about their products and also having like a technology backend, like a underpinning that then powers that personalized experience. Um, so that's how we're, we're making money. Um, we're working with brands and retailers to basically power their personalized nutrition. First, our big partner right now is Whole Foods. We, we work with a number, but that's probably the one everybody would know the best. And then the other thing is more and more uh, disclosure, like being a transparent company is something that's like uh, been overused in a way. It's like almost a buzzword at this point. But there are huge disclosure initiatives that have to happen, mainly because there's some labeling laws coming up. So within the next couple of years, everybody's going to have to label existence of GMOs in their products. Another thing is every chain restaurant that has 20 or more locations is going to have to label um, the products, the, the meals that you buy from them. So this is everything from like a Subway to a Chipotle. So they have to not only provide calories on every meal, but they also have to give you full nutrition if you ask for it. So this, the entire industry is faced with like huge disclosure requirements that are coming up. And what we found is a lot of them are under-equipped to do it. We like to think as far as showing consumers nutrition, we're, it's, our ex, it's our expertise. We're really good at it. Um, so powering those types of initiatives is another way we're making money. And Sam, I want to add something there because, okay, so uh, developing a, a new product, especially when you're a smaller company, is really expensive. And so the, I think it's the FSMA, Food Safety Modernization Act, right? That was like the big legislation that went on for years. And you, you mentioned the existence of GMOs. I think also on labels, you're going to have to say if there's added sugar. Yep. Um, we'll say a food startup or someone that has a food brand, uh, Sam, it's really expensive. If, for instance, let's say, okay, we need to get the nutrition facts. Okay, the, 
the test for the vitamins, the fat test, um, you know, the amount of sugar, all these things are really, really expensive. So if if Sage has all this data and let's say I'm in a restaurant or I'm making, I don't know, canola bars, whatever, and I can take all this 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 nutrition data and say, you know, I have three ounces of this salad has three ounces of lettuce, this type of dressing uh, put together, it will definitely save a lot of time and, and money uh, getting the data that, that people need. Yeah, totally. And that's a huge, huge goal for us is not only kind of being the consumer's uh, partner in learning about nutrition and transparency, but also making lives easier for the brands. Because I think there's just so many food brands out there that they're that are doing amazing work, that are producing amazing products. And a lot of these systems that they're currently working through are pretty tedious for them. And so the ability to make their life easier and maybe give them better resources around their products that helps them show what show their product story to their customers in a more like technology enabled way that everybody likes to work through these days. We're all about that as well. I love it. And I, um, this seems really exciting. I think, um, you mentioned shaping things by Bruce Sterling, but I I guess to take a, a broader scope here, just about the future and your take on the future. Um, we mentioned machine learning and AI, you know, how to, um, and if you disagree, I would say maybe AI is the most important thing for people to be aware of, especially with startups, to understand that a lot of businesses can be essentially taking an existing business or existing uh, type of food company or brand and adding artificial intelligence as a, as a way to create a new business. But if it's not AI, whatever it is, you know, how can someone, and let's say they only have a couple hours, how can someone start learning about this stuff to kind of see the important things that your company has seen? Yeah, I think there's a couple ways. One is... Whenever you, one would be like start uh, tracking just a little bit. Um, so whenever you, you start tracking your own personal data, it doesn't take that long to learn a lot about yourself. It's it's almost that uh, mindful effort to do it in itself teaches you a lot about who you are and how you make choices. Can you break that down though, Sam? Just say, okay, start tracking um, your personal data. Like what does that look like? Start a Google Doc um, or, or what exactly would you need to do? Yeah, yeah. So you can start a Google Doc. You can work through a system like ours. Uh, there's other ones out there like MyFitnessPal. Um, but the ability to start just putting in your choices and understanding how you're making choices over the course of a day, uh, I wouldn't say like most people need to do that. But I'd say you should do it at least once in your life, in a way. Like I, I did it myself for like four months at one point. Like I tracked everything, and you really learn a lot about who you are and how you make decisions. Um, and it's it's actually going through the action, the activity itself of tracking teaches you almost more about yourself than the visualizations, like the end result of it, which is kind of fascinating to me. The other thing I'd say is be mindful of the products and the brands that you're you're purchasing from. There are mindful decisions that uh, kind of every brand and every company is is making when they're putting together products and ultimately that end data is what's going into you and I think we we can make it easier with things like AI and artificial intelligence which gets you know gets to know you and then without you having to do a lot of work it starts giving you really good personalized okay here's the things that are going to help you hit goals that you have but it doesn't it's not really dependent on that happening right like you can go into a system and easily say, I'm here are a couple goals that I have. Okay, if I'm going to have this snack, what would be the other snack that's very similar that might give me the data points that more closely match what I'm looking for? And so I think with all these technology enabled systems, what we're all trying to do is go from uh, a system where 
the the end user, the, the person, has to do some active work to where it's more of a passive system where the the platform itself gets to know you and then without you having to do too much is just giving you good feedback and good uh, recommendations and insights on who you are and your choices. So the, the key takeaway is just by tracking yourself for a you know a, a month, a couple of weeks, just by going through the tracking process, that will teach you like a lot in times in parenting, a lot of things. It's like, you know, you learn more by, people learn more from experience and being told what to do. It's like, oh, uh, the stubborn kid, like you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. You tell them that they don't listen, then they do it and they get the negative result. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I shouldn't do that. So kind of this in the same same mindset by tracking your data, you know, I've done this before and all of a sudden you think like, oh, if someone asks you, do you eat healthy? It's like, yeah, I eat healthy. And then you're looking at the, uh, and then you're looking at the data and you're like, oh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I had these potato chips or something. You're like, oh, so you, uh, so I, I noticed that when I tracked, like, wow, this this type of food actually came up more than I thought. Or it's like, oh yeah, I have like one day a week is my cheat day, and they're like, well, it looks like Monday and Friday and Saturday were cheat days, so I had three cheat days. So it, it's definitely humbling, and I, I think also in general, another thing I'd like to add, Sam, is that we uh, as humans in terms of memory, confirmation bias, all these different types of psychological biases, we're not that good at remembering um, our past, and not nearly as good as we think. Um, so by by writing this data down, you eliminate that uh, human error. Completely agree. And it's, you know, it's one of those things, like, I'm not like a maniacal track, everything you do, like everyone should do it. Like, I think that's just one, people won't do it, two, it's, it's not really necessary. But it's, uh, it does teach a little bit of mindfulness, right? Like, Uh, So the next time you're making a choice, you like remember what those past choices, what the kind of resulting data was. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, it now becomes something that's like sticky in your mind. I mean, you don't really have to do it for very long for that to happen. Almost doing it just for one week or even a few days. Yeah. And it's uh, this kind of relates to to journaling. I don't know, uh, Sam, do you ever do like personal journaling? Uh, I used to all the time. Um, Huge, huge into it. And what did you learn from that? You know what? I think it's when you sit down and you consciously write out your thoughts on a day-to-day basis, it makes you kind of interact with your own mind in a way that you don't. uh, Like we all have these thoughts every day and some are good and some are not good. But getting them down on paper allows you to start seeing, uh, helping you learn about yourself and learn about, um, kind of consolidate what your thought process was on a given day. And it also, I think there's some happiness that comes from that, right? Like the ability to kind of refine that maybe monkey brain that you have, a, a line of thinking down into a more consolidated form. I find it helps the best thoughts bubble up. Agreed. And uh, it's definitely a sense of therapy as well. And also, and this is, I guess, AI uh, or basic coming from a beginner, but pattern recognition. If you if you write something, you review the you know last seven days and you mention something three or four times that you hadn't thought about, I guess, as, a, as an issue, that kind of indicates that maybe time for, for further research. And I think like, you know, summing up this, uh, this interview, Sam, I, I really appreciate having you on the show. And listeners, this can be found at foodstartupspodcast.com slash sage, S-A-G-E. What I found in this interview and, and learned, uh, I think the listeners will too, is just tracking your personal data or just scrutinizing one area of your life. It doesn't have to be nutrition. Um, there's plenty of other things. Finance is another one I think where you learn a lot about yourself, your spending patterns. Just this awareness that you get about yourself is powerful data 
um, empower for learnings that can make you more successful in whatever you're doing just by knowing yourself better. Completely agree. Here we're all about like kind of being a mindful and active agent uh, in your own life and your own lifestyle. And just when you start seeing the data, it's, it just becomes very helpful. Uh, it becomes this thing that gets stuck in your head. Um, and going forward, it can that can have impacts for years to come in a way. And so we're all about it. And like I said, our big mission is to make it easier for people, to make it uh, more approachable. Because right now we feel the barrier to entry is pretty high for a lot of people. Um, so we want to use tech and design to just make it much easier, more approachable. And Sam, I want to finish off with one last question because this is I get related questions all the time, people that are developing apps or uh, chatbots and, and so forth, and they they want to partner with a company like Whole Foods. And it's not. And listen, on this show, I know we talk about Whole Foods a lot. Whole Foods is not the only company. There's plenty of other great ones, but they're the most well-known. So let's just say with Whole Foods, you know, how did you get their attention and get the meeting? And when you're selling something that's unique and new, right, it's not like another cold brewed coffee, nothing against cold brewed coffee, but it's something that the buyer knows. You know, how did you... How did you develop that relationship to to eventually begin working with them? Yeah, so you know it's a question I get um, a lot as well, and I think the biggest thing is just to be genuine to yourself and to your product, right? Like when you're working on something that you really care about, that's coming from a genuine place. I think the right opportunities find you in a way. Like I, I didn't go out and start working on this with any conception in mind to work with a specific company. It just so happened that me and a couple designers and dietitians cared deeply about this problem of making nutrition and food data, you know, more accessible, more transparent. And because I think it was a very genuine project that just we cared deeply about and worked on really hard, those opportunities came to us in a way. Um, and that's, I think, the key to sorry, anything really is uh, if it comes from a genuine place, you work hard on it with people you care about generally the world works to help you find the right opportunities and people can feel that excitement as well and that kind of brings in inbound leads and you got a lot of press as well as we mentioned at the beginning of the show well sam uh and if users want to reach out to you how can they find you yeah so uh, check us out at sageproject.com my twitter handle is a uh, slover sam um, and you can also email me sam at sage project all right thank you so much and i hope to have you on in the future thanks matt Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, find us online at foodstartupspodcast.com.